0: Good day, friends. Welcome to the Daily Bread. Scripture readings and devotional thoughts brought to you by St. Paul Lutheran Church and Clarence Center. Hey, I'm Ray Kozak. I'm the pastor at St. Paul's, and I would love to be your pastor. Maybe I already am, which would be pretty awesome. <laughs> um, that's my job. I want to be a community pastor um, available to, uh, to pray for you and to uh, share God's Word with you. So today we're going to read... Luke chapter 6. It's a long chapter because uh, we didn't do this on uh, Friday, so I'm a bit behind. And then we have Saturdays and Sundays readings, not to mention today's, which we're not going to do. We'll do tomorrow. But Luke chapter 6, it's an awesome chapter. There's a couple of great chapters where Jesus is teaching in the gospel of Luke. One is here. One is chapter 12. Those That's just like his straight out kingdom teaching chapters. There's other chapters like, you know, chapter 15, the prodigal son, and, and other, there's tons of great things. But um, Today we're going to read this uh, chapter where Jesus is bringing the kingdom. So let's pray. Oh Lord, open your word to us that we might see Jesus, that we might follow him. Thank you that he's died for us, risen for us, and that uh, that he's here with us by your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, so let's dig into it, uh, into uh, Luke chapter 6. Thanks again uh, for sticking around to read, and uh, let's let's see what it says. All right, on a Sabbath, while he was going through the grain fields, his disciples plucked and ate some heads of grain, rubbing them in his in his hands their hands. But some of the Pharisees says, said, Why are you doing what is not lawful to do on the Sabbath? And Jesus answered them, Have you not read what David did when he was hungry? He and those who were with him, how he entered the house of God and took and ate the bread of the presence, which is not lawful for any but the priests to eat, and also... And, and also gave it to those with them. And he said to them, the son of man is Lord of the Sabbath. Jesus here has just gotten himself an arrest warrant for the most part. He, uh, this riles up his enemies in such a horrible fashion. They can't imagine that a rabbi, a man who is teaching others, uh, is going to break the Sabbath and then uh, claim that you know King David did this, therefore he can do it. Uh, so obviously they have a different definition of what it means to keep the sabbath Um, to pluck heads of grain was a provision in the old testament by god you know you're not supposed to farm all the way to the edges you're supposed to leave a bit for those who are traveling Uh, so this was uh in jesus's mind that's uh, not breaking the sabbath and besides he says he is the lord of the sabbath all right so then he uh, goes on and he's gonna infuriate them even more on another sabbath by the way. I don't think it's an accident that he's doing all these things on Sabbath because he's, uh, as he told us in chapter 5, that he, the kingdom is coming and it is new wine, right? It's going to burst uh, if it's an old wine skins. So it's new wine, new wineskins. He's doing things in a new way. On another Sabbath, he entered the synagogue and was teaching. And a man was there whose right hand was withered. And the scribes and the Pharisees watched him to see whether he would heal on the Sabbath so that they might find a reason to accuse him pause right there ah some people are always looking for the worst right uh the eighth commandment according you know the eighth commandment is um you shall not bear false witness but in the lutheran understanding it's also that's the negative uh you know don't use your words to harm others the positive is you know uh think the best of others if at all possible and so uh you know just kind of an interesting thing here that these pharisees are uh, it seems like they're always looking for the worst especially in jesus they um you know again we don't want to caricature uh, car- uh ah, can't think of the word we don't want to put them in a box right because not all the pharisees are the same but many of them uh, they they are threatened by jesus and so they want to um find a reason right away to accuse him so interesting and sad uh, he goes on and says um He knew their thoughts, and he said to the man with the withered hand, come and stand here. And he rose and stood there, and Jesus said to them, I ask you, is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do harm, to save life or to destroy it? And after looking around at them, Mark concludes with anger, after looking around at them all, he said to them, he said to him, stretch out your hand. And he did so, and his hand was restored but they were filled with fury and disgust with one another. What they might do to Jesus? Ah, oh, wrong reaction, dudes. They should be filled with filled with joy that this man whose hand has been unable from to to be used, you know, forever, uh, he can now use his hand. And, and instead, they're full of fury. Why? Because it, uh, he does it on the Sabbath. Uh, more more like he uh, puts them in their place, you know. So anyway, it's sad. Uh, there are many who oppose and there's really no good reason, um, right? They're just not in their senses. You know, that's the that's the phrase Jesus uses of the prodigal son in uh, Luke 15. Um, many, many in this world have not yet come to their senses. All right, 12 apostles. In these days, he went out to the mountain to pray and all night he continued in prayer to God. And when day came, he called his disciples and chose from them 12 whom he named apostles, right? So just a quick You know, he had a lot of disciples at this time, but he didn't have designated ambassadors who would go on his behalf, sort of like uh, an an ambassador of the state, you know, to uh, execute whatever he said. This is what the king said, we're going to do it, right? Or like a bailiff. uh, This is what the judge says, we're going to do it, right? So anyway, here's his, his apostle Simon, and Simon's always listed first, whom he named Peter and Andrew his brother, and James and John and Philip and Bartholomew and Matthew and Thomas and James, the son of Alphaeus and Simon, who was called the Zealot and Judas, the son of James and Judas Iscariot, who became a traitor. So already we know there's going to be an end to the story that won't work uh, the way we think. There will be a traitor. Jesus ministers to a great multitude. He came down with them and stood on a level place. By the way, we know this is it, these words that he's about to speak here sound a lot like the Sermon on the Mount, which we get in Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7. But this is a different sermon. We might call it the Sermon on, a pl- on the Plain. Uh, he has a different emphasis. And, you know, if you've been uh, at St. Paul's or heard me preach, or in any church, you know that every preacher, and I, I say this with all due respect to Jesus, but every every teacher maybe besides Jesus has one set of stories. Maybe we're learning some new things, but we just repeat ourselves over and over. We're like we have what we've learned and we pass it on. Um, so Jesus here is going to have the same themes that we'll see in, in Matthew 5, but a different, different emphasis. And Luke will pick up it, on it uh, in a different way than Matthew. All right, uh, so he, a great multitude of people from all of Judea and Jerusalem and the sea coast of Tyre and Sidon uh, who came to hear him and to be healed of their diseases And those who were troubled with unclean spirits were cured. And all the crowd sought to touch him, for power came out from him and healed them all. Wow, isn't this awesome? I mean, like, if we could see this on film, it would be so amazing. There's these people who are, you know, the religious folks. But there's also these, what we'd call uh, pagans, uh, non-Jews. They're they're there also. They know what Jesus can do. And many are troubled uh, and need to be healed. And Jesus is... His healing uh, so it's cool um, so now we have some beatitudes and similar to those in Matthew 5 but different he lifted up his eyes on his disciples and said blessed are you who are poor for yours is the kingdom of God blessed are you who are hungry now for you shall be satisfied blessed are you who weep now for you shall laugh blessed are you when you when people hate you and when they exclude you and revile you and spurn your name as evil on account of the Son of Man, rejoice in that day and leap for joy. Your, your reward is great in heaven, for so their fathers did to the prophets. Um, Jesus here uses the phrase um, Son of Man. Blessed are you when people hate you on account of the Son of Man. Remember from the beginning of the chapter, who is this? He's the man who has authority over, uh, over the Sabbath and over everything. Uh, and he goes on and says, But woe to you who are rich, for you have received your consolation. Right? And this is a warning for all of us who want to find our hope in the the treasures of this world. Fixing up your house, buying a nice truck, uh, getting all the latest gear, whatever it is. If that is uh, where our treasure lies, our heart lies, then that's all the comfort we'll get. Uh, we know it's... It's only so deep, and it is these these riches can be a great blessing, but they can um, they can lead to a multitude of sins, as Paul says in First Timothy six. Uh, the love of money, not money itself, but the love of money, um, is the root of all kinds of evils. Verse twenty-five. Jesus says, "Woe to you who are full now, for you shall be hungry. Woe to you who laugh now, for you shall mourn and weep." woe to you when all people speak well of you for so their for so their fathers did to the false prophets a lot to ponder there wow all right love your enemies but i say to you love your enemies do good to those who hate you bless those who curse you pray for those who abuse you wow those (laughs) that is so hard love your enemies no we're not supposed to love our enemies we're supposed to hate our enemies do good to those who hate you? No. You're not supposed to do that. Bless those who curse you? No. You're supposed to bless those who bless you. Pray for those who abuse you? No. You're supposed to pray to, for those who love you. This Jesus has it all wrong. Except he has it all right and we have it all wrong. Uh, this is just so uh, counter-cultural. Counter our human nature uh, that's turned in on itself that wants revenge. But Jesus comes to break us of that, right? Um, chapter 4. He came to bring liberty to those in in bondage. All right, verse 29. To one who strikes you on the cheek, offer the other also. And from one who takes away your cloak, do not withhold your tunic either. Give to everyone who begs from you. And from one who takes away your goods, do not demand them back. And as you wish that others would do to you, do so to them. Now we might think to ourselves, man, I don't know if I'm a Christian because I don't live this out. And you might not be a Christian, But uh, this does not define whether you're a Christian. What defines... um, If this defines you as a Christian, then no one is a Christian. uh, Because no one does this perfectly except the one who is a Christian, and that is Christ. Christ lived this out. He blessed those who cursed him. He prayed for those who nailed him to the cross. Um, He gave and gave and gave. Um, So if we are in Christ and if there's this seed of... uh, newness in us that would want to do these things, and that um, by the Holy Spirit does them without trying, uh, occasionally even surprising ourselves, and thanks be to God, um, it is Christ who does this, and Christ lives in you, so, all right, moving on, it is a challenge though for sure, if you love those who love you, what benefit is that to you, for even sinners love those who love them, and if you do good to those who do good to you, what benefit is that to you, for even sinners do the same. uh, to stretch us thin and to show us where we fall short uh, in our falling short. Thank God that we have, we have a most high, merciful Father in heaven who is merciful to us, uh, who loves us, his enemies. That's like Romans 5.8, I think. Uh, Christ died for us even when we were his enemies. All right, moving on. Judge not, and you will not be judged. Condemn not, and you will not be condemned. Forgiven you will be forgiven, given it will be given to you. Good measure, I love this verse, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. I often think, um, you know, right now at our church, we're coming up on a challenge to, um, you know, keep the church afloat, uh, make sure that uh, we're paying the bills, keeping the lights on, all that stuff. And that costs money. And uh, Jesus never, never tells us to give in the sense of uh, like so that others can, needs can be met. Uh, But he does tell us to give so that our hearts are not clinging to those things. Um, And he does say when we give, no matter, like, here's the thing, we can't out give God. Whatever we give, even in faith, even when it hurts, uh, beyond the proportion that we, we would think is normal um, he he gives even more um, it'll come back to us running over and it'll come back into our lap so that's just a um, i don't know if you've talked to other christians people who've been generous it, it's just amazing how you think that you're going to run out if you give away what you have but it just never seems to happen that way so anyway that's a, that's a challenge for us to uh, to listen to jesus all right uh, jesus also told them a parable verse 39 Can a blind man lead a blind man? Will they not both fall into a pit? A disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone, when he is fully trained, will be like his teacher. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, Brother, let me take out the speck that is in your eye, when you yourself do not see the log that is in your own eye? You hypocrite! First take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take out the speck that is in your brother's eye interesting here Jesus uh, puts together judging and um, in mercy all these things together uh, in truth you know um, a blind man can't lead a blind man Um, verse 40 says a disciple isn't above his teacher but when he's fully trained he'll be like his teacher and when we are like our teacher Jesus uh, we then um, can ask our brother hey Help me with this speck that is in my eye, actually, because it's a log. <laughs> anyway, a lot to be said here, and um, I don't want to ramble and waste you all time, but uh, it's an interesting thing. He doesn't say, don't ever judge. He does say to uh, judge rightly, um, but, but uh, do it for the good of others. Um, help them. Uh, don't just come along and point your finger at them, all right, but come along to help. All right. So, getting near the end of the chapter, a tree and its fruit, no, tr- no good tree bears bad fruit, nor again does a bad tree bear good fruit, for each tree is known by its own fruit. For figs are not gathered from thorn bushes, nor are grapes picked from a bramble bush. The good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good, and the evil person out of his evil treasure produces evil. For out of the abundance of the heart his mouth speaks. And this is where we come to the place where Paul comes to at the end in the middle and end of chapter 7, of Romans chapter 7, where he uh, says that I want to do the good, but the power is not in me. Um, Who will deliver me from this body of death? And he says, thanks be to God. Um, So if we're thinking like, oh, I'm bearing some bad fruit, my heart is bad, well, that is absolutely correct. Um, But because of the Holy Spirit in us, uh, we can then, uh, our hearts become good hearts not because we work it all together, but because he makes our hearts good uh, and clean and new. This is God's work, and so we ask God, God, give us, give us a clean, a good heart uh, so that I might do uh, what is good. Uh, Fruit of the Spirit, Galatians 5. Anyway, uh, build your house in the rock. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I tell you? Everyone who comes to me and hears my words and does them, I will show you what he's like. He's like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock and when a flood arose the stream broke against that house and could not shake it because it had been well built but the one who hears and does not do them is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation when the stream broke against it immediately it fell and the ruin of that house was great yeah we need a foundation that foundation is Jesus' words so Lord help us with that so this is the end of the chapter The uh, this is a bit shorter than the Sermon on the Mount, which we get in uh, Matthew 5, 6, and 7, but it is still a lot to process. So, so uh, Lord, there's so much that you've taught us here in this chapter. I pray that you would um, give us good, clean hearts, hearts that want to follow you and that do, um, that uh, that are not stuck on ourselves, but are, are uh, fixed on you. So, anyway, uh, thanks for joining me. I pray you have a great day. Um, that this challenge from Jesus would drive you to the mercy of our our most high heavenly father and uh, that by his grace you might you might do it uh, all right go in peace serve the lord thanks be to god bye